This is AUP Radio here on World Radio Paris. This is The Soft Spot with your hosts, Fiona and Elsa. Welcome back to The Soft Spot. So today we're talking about women's anger and female rage. It's a pretty complex topic, and I think there haven't historically been as many avenues for women to express their anger in an acceptable way. But we're really interested in how all emotions can be part of a healthy, balanced diet, healthy, balanced breakfast, Um, but especially how embracing all the different emotions that we have can lead to productive outcomes. Elsa, do you feel like you've been able to express anger in your life? Yeah, I think... um, I grew up primarily with my brother and my dad. And I think, as we know, it's a lot more socially acceptable for men to be more vocal and external with their anger and their frustration. So I think when I was younger, I had a good model for that. And I had no problem, um, you know, being pretty explicit with with my anger and my frustration. I think I felt the pressure of acceptable femininity a bit more as I've gotten older. And I've definitely found confrontation more difficult, actually, as I've gotten into my 20s. And I think unfortunately because of that I do still tend to like bottle my rage and and then I kind of unfortunately explode over quite random stuff that usually doesn't really have anything to do with the root cause of my anger Hmm, interesting I think for me I grew up in a family with really big personalities and we were kind of casually confrontational so I feel like um Mm. I'm really comfortable with disagreements and we express we expressed anger at each other a lot but I think that might be from um a, that may be a different cultural aspect too because mm-hmm. um I'm I'm half French. Uh I'm not exactly sure what the German side of it all is, but mm-hmm. the the fiery French uh, stereotype I think was definitely true in my household. So I think it probably sounded like we would argue all the time to someone who was outside the family or who didn't understand the language. So I think it definitely feels different when it's outside of the nuclear family. Mm. And I've tried to learn skills to communicate with people interpersonally once the moments of anger have passed. Because I think there's rarely really great communication that happens while you're in the middle of the anger. Um, But I, yeah, I I do like to express it when possible and I feel it a lot. (laughs) Um, And I think also anger about systemic issues can be really productive. So I definitely see a difference between my anger when it's interpersonal and when it's systemic. But I also express anger a lot more than my male partner, who I think grew up in a very different household. So, yeah, I don't think that I personally have felt as much, I think, you know, pressure to not express rage. Mm -hmm. I think there have been different root causes for my rage in my life that have come from oftentimes being a woman. But I don't think that I express them differently because of it. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. But I think, oh, bondage up yours! One, two, three, four! I think it's really interesting that you said as well that you definitely expressed more anger than your male partner because I was doing some research around this episode and 
women's anger and their expression of frustration is such an under-researched, you know, school. It's 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 so in its infancy in terms of how we understand the psychological phenomena of of female aggression and how we manifest it and how we express it. Um, and I was reading a study uh, that was only conducted in 1998 from the University of Tennessee, which really was the first of its kind in terms of a real widespread study into uh, the genesis, the manifestation, and and the expression of of anger amongst American women. And they mainly found that across the board, women's anger involves a building up of frustration over time. And it's often a mixture of feelings, um, recorded responses with things like hurt, frustration, disillusionment. And one of the really interesting things I found from that was that to all the participants, they viewed an angry outburst as a loss of control rather than ability to achieve control. So there was a kind of negative feeling attached to that what they perceived, I suppose, as, as losing control rather than maintaining it by by expressing their anger or regaining it by expressing their anger. Um, I think there's a really interesting difference in in the kind of social codes that exist in the world we live in regarding who is sort of allowed to express their anger and how they're allowed to do it. Um, I know across the border there's a lot of research about you know, mental versus material processes and how, you know, in visual cultures worldwide, women are usually depicted internalizing, processing and being very pensive about their emotions, whereas men are often shown acting on them or doing something either constructive or destructive with them. Um, And I guess, you know, when those like visual codes are so embedded, it's easy to understand why, you know, the idea of losing control is something that women do. But I suppose when men do that there's something acceptable or constructive about that yeah it makes me think a lot about how women's anger is portrayed in media so i'm thinking mostly about american media because that's what i've you know mostly grown up watching or let's say anglophone media um i think especially when you think about the 90s and the 2000s um there's often this like rather misogynistic idea of women being hysterical so Mm -hmm. i don't know the first thing i think of when I think of women's anger in media is women throwing stuff out the window after a breakup and they're, you know, usually hysterical and it attracts attention from passersby and it's this big spectacle, but it's really about this kind of personal romantic wound mm-hmm. um, and nothing much bigger than that. But uh, I think that there's been a lot of different examples of more complex representations of female anger recently in TV I think the first one that pops up to me is the show I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole, especially because uh, that show deals with a woman's anger. And I mean, I think also important to say a black woman's anger Mm. after um, sexual assault. So I was watching I May Destroy You with uh, a person close to me who expressed that they were pretty happy to see or surprised and gratified to see that there was anger in this show because a lot of the media representations of women dealing with sexual assault shows them as crying and being depressed and sad, which are all very true. But she really felt that anger was something that's really typical to a lot of women's experiences that are not it's not shown. Um, so that show shows us really messy process. And uh, I also appreciate that it shows anger, not just in this bold, noble, self-righteous way, but also in this harmful, painful way that uh, where her friends kind of have to call her mm-hmm. to account. Um, so it's really nuanced, messy anger, but that still helps her get to to the next place. And then more recently, I watched the show Beef on Netflix with Ali Wong, where she goes through just uncontrollable rage and anger. 
And I think it's fascinating to see, especially when you just talked about, you know, women being shown as, um, how did you describe it? Mental, Mental process versus material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in beef, you're not watching a woman, you know, what you said made me think about how maybe we often see in TV shows or movies, a woman talking to a therapist maybe about anger. But in Beef, I don't think Ali Wong, you know, Ali Wong's character really talks about her anger as much as just she just mm. simply does uh, in ways that are, I mean, catastrophically <laughs> awful. So um, but that show is almost entirely just showing material processes yeah. of, of rage and anger, which is fascinating. And I think also with both those examples you just gave as a strong sense of vengeance and I think a sense of almost regaining justice I think it's like reparations for I suppose I don't know all the time I think women have been uh, have lost or been unable to um, express these strong feelings of of rage after being you know to varying degrees hard done by and I I like those examples because I think there's a strong sense of redressing that that anger balance in both of them and making that experience of anger equitable. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is basically let women smash stuff <laughs> and crash cars. Maybe uh, axe throwing rooms were made for women. <laughs> Maybe they should start must stop marketing them as uh, as lumber, lumber sexual experiences. <laughs> so, so far we've talked a lot about really personal experiences of anger and how that might manifest in individual people's lives. But I'm really interested in seeing with you what that looks like when anger can be processed in more collective space and if that can lead then to actionable, um, practical steps and and can we use anger in a productive way, which I think uh, a lot of activists would say that they have. Today we're talking to Maddie Zarnick, who is a fashion activist and led a rage meditation recently. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Maddie, how did you get into this? Where did you learn about this practice? And could you talk about your own work? Yeah, of course. Um, I went to a boot camp in March in Berlin. Um, and this like rage meditation was one of the things that we did there. Um, and it really stuck with me. Um, in my own personal work, like I try to, well, I love to dis- dismantle the current fashion system um, uh, because of a lot of issues that I have with the patriarchal power structures at play that hold a lot of women um, in subservient roles of labor, um, but don't allow progression to like the top of the fashion industry. So that's kind of my general global aim as a fashion activist. Um, And the rage meditation was definitely something that I learned that I wanted to continue with. And you said that you ended up creating your own association here in Paris, right? Yeah, I did. So I have an association called La Boison. 
Um, and this is essentially um, a coven <laughs> of witches, <laughs> um, queer, femmes, women, um, basically anybody who's not a cis male. <laughs> um, and with this coven, we come together to lead workshops like a rage meditation um, that I did recently or even just like really fun queer parties highlighting um, like erotic art, sex, wor sex workers, um, other intersections. Um, but yeah. Great. And so this meditation that we're talking about, you just did this really recently in Barcelona, right? Um, where did you do it? In what context? Yeah. So this weekend I was um, in the mountains uh, in Barcelona at a place called Can Masdeo. Um, and this was essentially a squat, uh, a villa in the mountains that's been squatted for the last 25 years and has recently had like a, um, a queer feminist kind of revolution um, to the founding members. Um, definitely look into it more if you're interested. Um, super, super interesting. But I was there for a queer ecology and degrowth um, conference slash festival. There was uh, workshops as well as partying, so <laughs> the two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> That's the ideal combination, I yes. think. <laughs> um, what was the name of the conference? Um, so it's a metamorphosis. Um, I mean, this word obviously has a lot of connotations, but I think within queer ecology and degrowth, we're going through a huge shift in the world right now and how we organize society and how we want to um push growth forward because we have you know obviously major overconsumption and overproduction that we have to limit at some point if we want to make life on earth sustainable for everybody so so what exactly is a rage meditation could you give some details on what that practice looks like how you led it and how is that different from what people might imagine from an ordinary quote unquote meditation yeah definitely uh i think well Anybody that's done a meditation, I know some for some people they love it and some people it just does not work at all. Like they cannot get to a point where you're essentially supposed to like calm your body, feel connected with um, everything around you, like where you're sitting um, and essentially like empty your mind of anything that could be uprooting you or keeping you from reaching essentially a feeling of peace is what most medita meditations are trying to get you towards is like a, a feeling that you can kind of get rid of all of the stressors of the day to come back to like a, um, a focal point. Um, and with a rage meditation, it's similar, but also not at all like that because we're not looking for, I mean, hoping to end in more of a peaceful note, but it's not the goal of the meditation. The meditation is to focus on the feeling of anger, which is inherently not a peaceful emotion. Um, most people that feel a lot of anger like is rooted in a lot of pain or traumatic experiences. Um, and so with this meditation, it's getting people to sit with this feeling that a lot of us feel that we don't have the right or the allowance in society to sit with. Um, and so in the meditation, you have people sit down. I've done it in a group before. Um, and then this can vary depending on the experiences that people have had in their own lives. Um, for some people, it's very much like a bodily experience. So trying to trace back where the anger roots in your body. 
So that can be like getting very, very hot. Like I get very hot when I'm angry, like super flushed. Um, uh, Or it could be like a pit in your stomach. Like there's something that each of us have. And it's normally unique to each person as well. Like some people's palms get sweaty or they like lose the ability to speak or express themselves. Some people cry. Like it's very much individual, an individual experience. Um, So have people either focus on that bodily experience or if they have, you know, if they've had enough instances where they have so much anger bottled up, that's all they can focus on is just the feeling of it. Um, That tends to be when it's, you know, you're almost at a point where that could snap into like a physical, like violent reaction is when you have a lot bottled up. Um, But there's also like if someone focuses on a specific event, um, then they're able to kind of bring themselves back like a backlog essentially into that situation to feel what they were feeling in that moment, go through maybe the thoughts that they were thinking in that moment. Um, And then also, you know, the bodily experience if they, if it comes up, uh, if it's fresh enough or if it's deep enough, like in their body. Um, So with that, we'll have people do this meditation, kind of like a backwards meditation of you're not seeking peace essentially, but you are seeking to understand where anger is rooted in your mind and in your body. Um, And after we've done that part, kind of bring people back to the center again. So we do end (laughs) with a bit of a meditation of like, everybody's safe, nobody's going to get hurt. Um, And then we'll start with like visualization processes. So how you can change this feeling and this experience into first the first part is like a um, it's like a drawing exercise but it didn't have to be a drawing so you essentially tell people like whatever you were visualizing while you were doing this meditation or whatever you were feeling like it doesn't even have to be a visual it can be like a scribble of colors or it can be a poem um I did like a uh, a flow chart essentially with like keywords because I was um very much like had some concrete words that came to mind in different situations that I then tried to like tie back to a common theme um, but it doesn't have to be like a flow chart of this oh, leads exactly. it's very project manager <laughs> yeah I, I no. love it <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> I definitely have like the the marketing project manager in my brain too being like okay let's create solutions <laughs> like how do we contextualize this um but yeah it could just be like a picture or a poem like anything that gets it from a feeling onto paper to make it like bring it into the physical plane um in something other than like a a bodily reaction um because i as i said before like if things get pent up um you know this could anger this is when anger switches from just like a feeling inside or a frustration or a pain into potentially like physical violence which is you know, basically the thing we want to mostly avoid in our day-to-day lives. Um, So yeah, the visualization process is important uh, and that can be as abstract or as direct as the person wants. Um, And then because we do the meditation in like a group, um, we have people either share with the person next to them if they're comfortable because anger is also something that's very personal and being vulnerable is also something very difficult, um, especially in a group of people that potentially are meeting for the first time. Um, we do try to preface this with like, you know, icebreakers and getting to know people, but it is hard to like meet somebody for five minutes and be like, okay, this is my deepest rooted uh, anger <laughs> in my body that I've meditated on for, you know, five minutes, but it's been brewing 
Um, so then we'll get people to talk about it if they can. So s- switching from like the experiencing um, to the visualization um, to the manifestation of like a physical representation and then a verbalization of that feeling. Um, and once we're able to get to that point, um, then we start moving people into more like focus groups with specific themes. Um, this can be anything from, you know, sexual assault. So like, um, probably like pain that people have been holding from that, or it could be, you know, even as grand scale of, um, like a war happening in your country of origin. Like there's so many, so many things to be angry about. I think we all have something, um, but moving people into focus groups so they can kind of group together with people that are experiencing similar angers, um, to them. Um, because there's also like a huge solace in community. So what kind of outcomes come from that afterwards? Because I know you said that uh, you then try to take the anger that people then got in touch with and got curious about during their meditation and channel it towards something practical and real. So how do you do that with the participants? Um, So in this specific anger meditation, we focused a lot on artivism. So this is a combination of art and activism. Um, And when I did this workshop for the first time, we had two examples that really stuck with me, one being the Gorilla Girls um, in New York in the 1980s, Um, and then also an example of a art piece that was done, um, like, surrounding gun violence in the United States, um, which was really, really impactful with the group originally that I had done it with. Um, which had spliced together a really interesting, like, um, audio-visual aspect um, towards, uh, like, audio-visual experience uh, to show people kind of the impacts um, as well as the problems, like, legal and political problems uh, behind gun violence in the United States. Uh, so those were two pieces that we used specifically in the first one to understand what artivism can do and the impact it can have on people. Um, and so in those focus groups, we get people to reflect on um, when I did it this recently, this past weekend, it was a queer ecology degrowth. So it was more ecologically um, focused. So we had um, people that had that were studying, you know, maybe physical arts, uh, but were also interested in ecology. Um, so they wanted to do like an art piece on it, or there was somebody who was more focused on legislation or or more on the performing arts. So there was people that had a lot of different talents that could come together to create something a bit more concrete in terms of like, um, I'd say it's like a processing ritual as well as healing. Um, and of course, if it brings attention to the issue, that's like even more paramount and, fantastic is if you can take the anger from the feeling into the action and then actually have it lead towards change is probably one of the most healing experiences Mm -hmm. that anybody can hope to 
attain is to ensure that maybe they personally or someone in the future won't feel that again. Um, but that's essentially the idea and how we went about, you know, putting people into groups and allowing people to create solutions in, in themselves, but also in community. I'm really interested in what you've been saying about taking anger into the physical realm and trying to channel that into actionable steps. We've been talking a lot about who is and who isn't permitted to experience anger um, in in a very material way. Um, So kind of what was the makeup of your group? I guess I'm interested because you were doing this and as you said, a kind of feminist and queer context. And I guess those are individuals who often aren't socially permitted to be constructive or, you know, material with their rage. So why do you think, you know, it's important to create spaces for those people who often are, blocked from accessing that emotion in a very public way why is that important to you yeah I think that um this is like really important in the terms of like safe spaces Mm -hmm. um because there are marginalized marginalized groups in our society that that like you said don't have even the safety to feel and express these emotions um because if they do I mean it's it's can be life-threatening um, so I think with the group that I did it and it was so it's so freeing and so just kind to be in a space where everyone is allowed to share and everyone can bring forward what is important to them, even if it goes against even some major discourses within degrowth or queer ecology, just voicing what they're feeling in that moment and talking it out in like a very open space, I think you know, if we could foster more communities like that, it would be even even more impactful, that kind of work. I think it's interesting too, because what this meditation offers is a space and I think time and guided um, processes to being in touch with and, and feeling comfortable and sitting with anger, which I think is not something that we're afforded very much. So I think anyone could probably benefit from just being able to um, really experience curiosity and openness and really exploring all the different facets of, of their anger. Um, and I think that leads us also to this idea of emotional intelligence, because I think, you know, having big feelings is, is one thing, but then knowing how to take care of them and channel them is a, a skill set that really needs to be learned for emotional intelligence. So what do you think the role uh, for that is in our larger society? Yeah, I love, I really love this like question and this idea because especially with the rise of artificial intelligence, there's so many jobs and things that we've done in the past that are just going to cease to exist. And a lot of people can hold on as long as they want and say like, oh, this isn't right. Like we shouldn't have to do it like this. But it's, you know, it's, it is purely evolution in a way. <laughs> like There are things that cease to exist, things that become more important. And I do think emotional intelligence is something that, you know, robots don't have (laughs) like they can't have and um specifically queer people you know and women have a lot of experience with emotional intelligence like they there's just something with being oppressed (laughs) like you yeah it'll it'll do it to you um and like there's there's like almost this magic I mean coming back in with the coven and the witches like there's this magic of of knowing what you're feeling and how you can turn that into something positive, like that is really the root of 
the human experience, I think, is like looking at all the pain and the suffering and the anger and being able to look at it for what it is and still still create something beautiful and impactful and interesting with it. And I think that, you know, queer, queer people and women, like we're going to be leading the charge on this. Like we have, you know, centuries of experience in this and you know, the, the queer ecology and degrowth, it's, we're here, I'm, I'm ready, let's go. <laughs> like, the coven is ready. <laughs> like, I want to go out and, like, break stuff. <laughs> I'm like, artistically. <laughs> I do think this is really important because one thing I'm hearing more and more from kind of Buddhist approaches to how we can deal with climate change um, is just the starting off with an acknowledgement that there is going to be a lot of pain and suffering and that the biggest thing that we can do to address this is actually learn to take care of our pain and suffering because it will only increase and it will um, it's inevitable there is no getting away from it so I think this is a great step to also acknowledging those feelings and learning how to channel it into something because it's really overwhelming when you're just feeling these big feelings all alone um, and don't know where to go with it or if other people can be there to support you in it so I think hopefully this is something yeah that we can all explore a little bit more and learn to incorporate into our toolkits um to keep moving forward. Thank you so much for joining us, Maddie. This has been incredibly fascinating and I can't wait to hear more about the work that you do. Thanks guys for having me. It's so good to sit down and talk about this to people who actually are interested in it too. So it's been a pleasure really. All right, now that's all said and done, I want to know how anger manifests for you guys. As a child, I used to smash stuff all the time. Um, <laughs> and as an adult woman, uh, it manifests very literally in the smoking area of nightclubs and is always directed towards men. <laughs> all right, for me, I think it's um, a dangerous, angry glint in the eye, reminiscent of my mother's resting French mother anger face. So I'm really trying to channel that. Yeah, I get become like a um, a flushed strawberry, a very silent, a silent <laughs> red strawberry. <laughs> Thanks for feeling it with us tonight. We'll catch you next time here on The Soft Spot. This show is produced by your hosts, Fiona Schlumberger and Elsa Darlington, with music by Dylan Latimer. <laughs>